With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I'm the host of the show. Uh, hopefully, you guys know me by now. But if, you, if it's your first episode, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy what we're doing here. We're talking to some of the best people out there in the writing community, the football world, the fantasy football community. And today, we do have a, a great member of that fantasy football community. It's Four for Fours own TJ Hernandez, a good friend of mine, someone I've been tight with for years. TJ. Good man, I'm I'm really excited to be on. Uh, I've been listening since episode one, and I haven't missed an episode. And I've I'm always rooting for you because we've kind of had the same career trajectory. Uh, your stars risen a little faster and a little higher than mine so far. But uh, we we started at humble roots doing sportable hangouts, so it's really fun watching you do this and watching you talk to all all the all the other industry peeps. And uh, I've I've been having a blast following along. Well, naturally, I, one, appreciate you listening, as I appreciate all of the listeners. I hope I make that uh, well-known to all of you. Um, but also, you're, get, you're getting requirement. Well, you know, you've been listening to the show. You know it's requirement for the guests to uh, compliment me, so let me just check that right off the box that you've already Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to do. You were, one of, you were one of my industry love at first sight, guys. Like, the first time we met virtually was like, we, we knew we're going to be able to needle each other, and, and I'm going to get along well with this guy, so... Absolutely. If you actually, you know, if you're watching the YouTube broadcasts of the show, which I think like only my dad does, but if somebody else happens to be watching these, um, you can actually go back in my YouTube page and look at the original like sport, like TJ mentioned, the sportable hangouts that we used to do every Sunday morning with uh, with Dan Schneier too. Of uh, he's a pro football focus now. There, yeah, those were those were good times, and I remember like as soon as I saw you, I was like. Damn, TJ's like a lot more handsome than I thought because <laughs> the I, the only time I'd ever seen you, like the only thing I'd ever known of you, was your Stewie avatar, which like yes. you know, cred, dude, you still have that thing. Yeah, I mean, hashtag brand, right? How much have you been talking about it? So I I don't have a choice at this point. It really is like what you're known for, and it, it's it's good too, like because you tweet out a lot of, and we'll talk about you know your approach to things, of course, but you tweet out like a lot of just straight up facts like you know this is a, a trend that i've noticed and it's always funny because i get because it, I, it's just like stewie like leaning forward and, and yelling at you about running back trends or something like that yeah <laughs> and I, I, always, I think it fits i always get the at response that everyone always reads my tweets in stewie voice so that's that adds a oh, little man. entertainment to all the stat stat filled stuff that i tweet out I, I need to try and do that, to be honest. Like, I wonder if there – is there, like, a Stewie translator? Like, one of – you know, some things you can – like, a type – you know, in a computer, like, you can type in a, a, a phrase and, like, like read like, back sh- in Like, Stewie voice. Siri? Like a Stewie Siri? Yeah, that would be great if I could just take some of your tweets, like, 
50% of teams that played with a lead had their running backs reach 20 carries or something like whatever that garbage is that you're talking about. And, uh, and, and just have it come out and see what we I think that would be fantastic. Whatever, whatever that football garbage is. That crap is that we're all talking about. I mean, hey, we're all just out there bloviating on uh, – on whatever it is that interests us. But anyways, TJ, I, I, of course, like I mentioned, we're, 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 we're pals. So we're, I might poke at you a little bit on the podcast. Hopefully the listeners can pick up on that. Um, Cause like I said, TJ is like literally, I'm just trying to get past how, how, how attractive he is. I've been doing this every time we've done a hangout with each other uh, since Cut the beginning. Out. This is supposed to be the Matt Harmon compliment podcast, not the TJ Hernandez compliment podcast. I can't help it, man. I have to make exceptions for the people that I really like. Anyways, but TJ, yes, it actually, that it, it is the podcast about you. You are the guest, and we're going to get right into, into your story here. So I always ask the guest, first question right off the bat, you know, how did you come to fall in love with, with football? Or for you, I know it was, um, you know, it's, you, you're big in daily fantasy sports, so fantasy sports in general. Just take us back through your history there. I mean long before I ever looked at a spreadsheet or did anything with fantasy football, I was uh, pretty obsessed with the game of football. And in my household, it was, it was kind of a religion. I, I grew up in Northern California. I grew up a Raiders fan. Um, but as far back as I could remember, I mean, I, whenever, whenever people talk about uh, Disney movies growing up or watching uh, those cartoons over and over for me, I was watching uh, Raiders Super Bowl highlights and NFL films when I was three, four years old. I was popping those in, watching them nonstop. And then um, Sundays were, you weren't allowed at our house unless you were a Raiders fan. I mean, and you know how long of a treacherous, ugly run it's been to be a Raiders fan. During my lifetime, I've, I've seen them um, in one Super Bowl. We all know how that went. Uh, so, so to to grow up in that environment and watch that every Sunday, which is usually a pretty big debacle and, and still stick to it, uh, shows you how much I, I was really in love with the game. And, uh, and then as far as, as myself personally, the, the day that I was allowed to play football, um, when I was growing up, Pop Warner, you couldn't play until you were eight years old. Uh, the day I was allowed to put pads on, I was out there playing. So um, outside of fantasy, uh, it's so really actually, just rooted. You played though. I didn't. I didn't know that. What, what did you I play? played through high school. I played through high school. I was. I wasn't uh, standout or anything. I mean, I was. I was a starter. But by the time when, when I when I stopped being the biggest kid in eighth grade and everybody passed me in size, by the time I was a senior in high school, I had a pretty good idea that that's where my football journey was stopping as far mm -hmm. as playing the game goes. Um, but oh, always, always had a, a football in my hands, a football on TV or sneaking home to watch some kind of football or skipping church to watch football. Uh, it's, it's always been, it's always been in my DNA. Beautiful. So, um, what was your first experience with, with fantasy sports? My first experience with fantasy sports. See, I'm a little bit older than you, Harmon. Um, I want to say it was my, <laughs> I, I, I want to say it was my, um, my sophomore year in high school, which uh, we had a fantasy baseball league with the baseball team and the coaches. Uh, and if I remember correctly, it was the first year that King Griffey Jr. Uh, went, to, went to Cincinnati. And I picked him with the number one overall pick. Um, and if, if you follow baseball at all, which I know you don't, Matt, uh, Gr Griffey moving to, to the Reds was – kind of where he really started to to um, fall off a little bit. And 
it turned into to a treacherous year, and we were still. Uh, it, it was just in that stage where had internet yet. Um, computers were pretty much just in the library for research, so we were still tracking stats at the end of the week. Uh, the newspaper, uh, the, so we were writing down stats by hand and and calculating our points that way. So it was kind of towards the end of of everybody doing that. But the the point is, I lost really bad that year, and. Uh, anybody that knows me knows I, I don't like losing at things. So baseball, and I, I got into football, and and uh, once I caught that bug, it was uh, I, I was addicted because to it, it was I I never really thought about articulating it, but I I knew that there was a game that a lot of people were were reading the same advice. Everybody was reading ESPN, and and. I never thought about it in terms of being contrarian or 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 really how to uh, how to how to beat the system. But I knew there was something there that everyone's doing the same thing, but I think they're doing it wrong. So for from that day on, I've always been trying to unravel this fantasy football puzzle. And and um, DFS is just just a, a situation that um, kind of fell into my lap and gave me a, a avenue to write about football. But I think we we can get a little more into that in a little bit. Sure. It's funny you you mentioned that you kind of have that that feeling of what you want to say even if you don't know how to say it. I I can remember like playing Madden back when I first got into like, fantasy football. I started playing the game at around the same time, and I've I've mentioned that like actually I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but like I was really just didn't get, care about football at all like that much growing up until my friends like made me be in a fantasy football league, and I was like I want to do that. I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast. But yeah, I was like, I don't want to do that. But they they started getting me to play Madden too, and I remember having that same feeling, like thinking about like building teams and constructing rosters and like having complementary players. Like I'm like, oh, this guy's fast. I want another guy with good hands over here, and that sort of stuff. It is funny. It, it's kind of just inside you. You just need some people can get it out, some people can't. I think that's what makes people into writers. But anyway, CJ, you actually come from a poker background too. Um, Dish a little bit on that because that's that's something that I don't think we've had that perspective on because that's another thing that's a little bit before my time. I mostly remember the online poker craze being when I was a little bit younger. Yeah, um, poker was an interesting time of my life because uh, after I graduated college, if, um, a lot of people probably don't know much of my background, I graduated with a finance degree, eight, which uh, if anybody follows finance, that was literally one of the worst times in history to, to graduate with a, a finance degree. Um, I was going on, on Craigslist looking for jobs in finance and literally the only job you could find under finance was door-to-door -door sales. Uh, so, so in college I was waiting tables and uh, I found online poker, kind of like a lot of people found poker, kind of through the, the money maker boom uh, and then the World Series got very big on ESPN. So I started dabbling in online poker and uh, after a couple years I was I was making more money playing online poker than I was waiting tables. So I, I took it upon myself to to quit a uh, job waiting tables and, and try this poker thing full time. Uh, what ended up happening was four months after I decided I was going to try poker full time, uh, the the government, the DOJ, uh, and the FBI decided that there shouldn't be online poker in the United States anymore. So. Uh, along with my dreams went all of my money we foolishly kept online at the time. 
So Love. my poker my poker dreams were short lived, but uh, in in kind of a roundabout way, it did lead me into uh, the beginning of my football career uh, and helping me find DFS. But obviously, at the time, I didn't know that was going to happen. I just knew that that my dreams were crushed at the time. But l- looking back on it, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened happened to me because um, I, it was. It was something I loved, but I think I fell more in love with with the lifestyle and trying to join that club than I did grinding out the work. Like I was decent, but but time poker pro is a is a kind of uh, I say it very loosely because uh, I was I was doing okay, but I, I was barely paying my bills. I was never going to put in the time to really be great at it. Um, but like I said, it did it did loosely feed into my my football career, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise that it all went kaput when it did. When you say you were addicted to that lifestyle, what do you mean by that exactly? It's kind of similar to you see the you see the good stuff of the DFS guys now. You see these guys that they don't have a full time job; they work from home. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of money to be thrown around. You're starting to see them on TV. Um, so you're kind of chasing that dream, but I think it's it's with a lot of things, with whether it be football, poker, or uh, any kind of entrepreneurial thing that you might chase. Uh, you see all the good. You see you see the prizes and you see the glitz and glamour, but you don't see the hard work that goes into it. And and um, pretty early on into my poker career, um, I kind of knew that oh, this grind is a lot more than than I realized. Uh, is a lot harder work than a full-time job and you need more than passion you need a lot of drive and you need to be able to do this day in day out and uh it wasn't something that i was going to be able to sustain but it it made me realize that when i do find something that i want to find something where i can put all that passion all that energy into it and and go after whatever that prize might be with the next thing and for me it just happened to be football i see so it's kind of that the old cliche of like you were all about the destination, but not the journey necessarily. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I see what you're saying. And that's definitely true. If you, if you're obsessed with something and you're only interested in the destination, but you're not going to put the time in it takes to get there. That's, that's probably not a good sign for your, for your yeah. future success or sanity, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, san- sanity is the big thing. Um, you have to like there, especially at the beginning of something like this, there, there's so much front end work that goes into it. There's so many, uh, I mean, if we're, we're talking about football, how many guys are, are grinding out these articles where you're putting in six hours of research, doing another two or three, uh, hours of writing and, and then going back and editing it. And, and that's for your, your first article that you're writing for free, you know? So right. To really, really, whatever you're going after, you have to have a lot of love for it when it's something oh, like that. No doubt about it. I say it about my, you know, there's plenty of people we can pull that we know that are examples, but I say it about myself all the time. Like, had things not happened as quick as they did for me, like if I was doing reception perception articles like six years from now and still was barely, you know, on the radar and I'm, I'm like taking six to eight hours to chart a player and then write the article, like I, I would imagine that would get pretty tiresome if I didn't love what I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, you mentioned that so quick for you. Uh, I mean, how many countless examples have you had on here of the, of guys that uh, it doesn't happen that in the first two, three, four, five years and they just keep grinding, grinding. So uh, I, I guess it just depends what, what your, what's your ultimate goal, what you're trying to get out of it. But, uh, but it's fun. You know, that that's, I think that's the biggest takeaway is I found something that's really fun, something that I really, really 
like doing is I'd, I'd be I'd be doing this stuff if I wasn't getting paid for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I say that all the time. Like people are like, "Oh, you're so you know you're so lucky you get to do this or whatever." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." I mean, yeah. If I was if nobody was paying me for it, I would still I would still watch players. If nobody was listening to this podcast, I'd still talk to myself about stuff like this. Yeah, you know, sure. it literally is like it's like scratching your ass or whatever. I mean, that's what Sigmund Bloom always says in our, in our <laughs> yeah. private conversations. <laughs> I'd be doing this anyways. Um, but no, so TJ. Let's get into it a little bit. With how did you discover like football in terms of DFS, or even just like thinking about it, the process of approaching it that way that really did speak to you and, and kind of empower you? Well, I mean, kind of going back to my poker background, um, I I was looking. I, I wasn't necessarily looking for something to fill that void, but I've always been someone that's always had been. I'm always doing a couple things at once. So even though I was working full time, I've never been one to come home and, and plop down on the couch and watch TV all day. I've always had to stay active. And when, when poker, uh, when I stopped playing poker, I kind of stumbled onto back in the day, it was, um, and there were so many, there were so many similarities. I mean, the lobbies look the same. You can play hundreds of these games at once. Uh, and, really got into the game is coincidentally or, or by fate or whatever you want to call it one of one of my really close poker buddies uh, he, he was the founder of, of one of the sites kind of like a, um, a rotor grinders type site but for poker it was, it was deuces crack that I was a subscriber to and he ended up working for a, a smaller DFS site he was trying to get a, a DFS product off the ground um, actual gaming site and hey check this game out it's, it's a lot like poker and and it, it just clicked i was like this is this is my avenue from mm -hmm. from the i i always go back to to people you know you, you're in high school or or you think about the uh the the office space question what would you do if you had a million dollars or what would you do if you didn't get paid for it and i was like you know what my dream is it's to it's to watch football every Sunday and get paid for it. And, and in my mind, there was never uh, an avenue to go after that. I, I didn't have a writing background. I obviously went to school for finance, so I wasn't, a, uh, I wasn't any kind of journalist or anything. Um, but when I saw DFS, it clicked, and I was like, I, I can talk about football every week if I get really good at this game. So it wasn't even that I fell in love with DFS so much. It's that it was so new that I was like, if I get good at this, that could be my niche. I can figure out a way to, to kind of parlay this into a, into a football career if I, if I go about it the right way. And, and luckily so far it's worked out that way. Um, but of a, a weird twist of fate that that's how it happened. It's, it's weird because uh, I always think think about uh, Al Zeidenfeld, Al Schmizzle. He always, every time I see him or talk to him, one of the things he always asks me is, uh, "Why don't you Why don't you write about other DFS sports? Why don't you play other DFS games?" And DFS is just the avenue that allows me to talk about football. If DFS ended tomorrow, if the government decided we can't play, I would go after a, a season-long fantasy football job. Or I, I just like talking about football. That just happens to be the avenue that, that lets me talk about it. And all these guys that are really entrenched in DFS, these top guys that, that I talk to every now and then when I tell them that, they just kind of give me this puzzled look like, mm. man, you, you're weird. That doesn't make sense to me. If if DFS doesn't doesn't exist, I wouldn't be pouring over these numbers. But uh, 
the game of football is just what I love about it. And I just got lucky that, that there were so many parallels to poker and it was kind of a natural transition for me. Yeah, it, actually, it's, it's a funny story because, you know, you and I met uh, about, I guess, was that a couple months ago, TJ, you came up in, into LA. We actually had a great time with uh, Chris Raybon was there too. It was, it was good time yeah, that was, that was a good day. It was, but you told me the same exact thing there. And I think that's what really spoke to me in a way because I, like, to be honest, and I'm not saying this to fluff you up or because we're bros, but like you are like one of my go-to like DFS guys for NFL. And I think that's why, because it's not necessarily like you're all about it from the DFS perspective. Like you just, you know, your shit about football and you're about football. And I like that so much more than just like, this guy's good at DFS and he just happens to be talking about football. And then in a couple months from now, he'll be talking about NBA or, or, or MLB or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. To me, that that really matters. It matters to know about the game. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with being the DFS guy that's talking Absolutely. about football totally. for a couple months. Like those, those are some of the smartest, best, highest-grossing, winning guys uh, in the world. But for for me, it just it just happens to be flipped around. But um, but I mean, you you said something there, and and it's you hear this a lot, and it's a cliche, and people say. Um, it's humbling, but it really is when people like you or, or people I come across in the industry come up to me and say, Hey, I go to you for, for your, for my DFS stuff. Um, before I'm kind of like, why are you guys listening to me? I'm just some, some dude that that's just, you know, I'm just throwing ideas out there and hope they stick. But, uh, that stuff's really inspiring. And, and I think when you get that encouragement and, for me, I still feel like I'm brand new. I mean, this is going to be my fourth year writing about football, but I feel like an infant. Um, but when, when I hear that from you or when I go to these these or go to FSTA and people say they, they listen to my podcast as their source for DFS, I think you could take that two ways. You can You can let that kind of inflate your ego and say, I've made it, or you can look at it as uh, – well, I need to step my game up because there, there's people coming to me. So, so now I have to not only do what I was doing, but I have to keep doing it even better. And, and I hope, I, I mean, it's, it's up to the readers and listeners to always decide, but I hope that's the approach I'm taking and, and always kind of staying humble because I still haven't won what these guys are. Or these guys are coming up to me telling me they're listening to my stuff and they're winning hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I still haven't hit that, that uh, peak yet. So uh, I mean that that stuff that I hear is really encouraging, and I, I really really appreciate that. And I I mean that with with all my heart. That stuff means the world to me. That that's what ins that's the most inspirational stuff. When you put out a, a podcast or you you put out an article and getting those tweets that they love the article, like I'm ready to write another one now. Yeah, no, it really is. I actually have talked about that before for for a number of different avenues. It's like it feels good. And it, it's like, a, it's like water to a, like a parched, you know, traveler or something like that, man. Yeah. Like you, it feels good. You need it. And it helps you like keep going. Like, okay, now I've, I've got this. And, and you're right. When people say like, Oh yeah, I use reception perception for this. And I'm like, well, crap. And it better actually be good. It makes you refine the process. It makes you put more into it. And that you're right. That is the way to go. Like if you're out there and you get compliments on your work, like you're just starting out, like use that as fuel. Don't be like, I'm settling now. All right, this is good. I found something. Always be trying to make it better. Always be trying to improve. Um, PJ, what are some ways that you would say your process to 
whether it's playing the game of DFS or fantasy in general, or just, or writing has, has changed throughout the years. Oh man. How, how has it changed throughout the years? Well, one thing I'm, I'm a, I'm a way better writer. Uh, I don't have a writing background. Um, I just kind of try to put what I, what, whatever I'm putting on the virtual paper, um, I just hope it makes sense and, and speaks to someone. But I guess the way it's evolved is uh, everyone always kind of talks about finding their niche or finding their voice. And, and as a writer, like I said, I still think I'm pretty young in the game. So in a sense, I'm still trying to do that. But I realized very early on that um, it'd be really hard to cut. You're, you're, you're never going to or you're very rarely going to put out a a weekly DFS column or a, a strategy piece that's going to be groundbreaking or that's that's going to break the internet or something. They're just, they're, there's so many other people writing about it. So what I, what I thought early on is I might not be the smartest dude and I might never be the best DFS player, but I think I could outwork a lot of people, um, especially when it comes to writing. Cause like I said, I don't, I don't consider myself a natural writer. Uh, I don't think that uh, I have, that unique of a voice yet, but I put a, a ton of passion into my pieces uh, and anything I'm doing in football. So I think where I've evolved the most is just kind of channeling that passion, channeling that energy into things outside of being um, at football stats. Uh, you know, I need to be reading other books. I need to be reading your reception perception for other, other views on football. I need to be reading entrepreneurial books that have nothing to do with football just to see how other people are writing, how other people are thinking about their, their adventures. So uh, I think the biggest thing I've done is channel that energy to directly uh, related to football that, but make me better at what I'm doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I mean, I, a lot of people we've talked to, not everybody and definitely me, like I came to it as I came to this as a writer. So your perspective is actually completely different from mine. And, and I, I think that's interesting because I get this question. I would love to hear your answer on this. I get this question from some readers a lot. Like, is it more important to, to be a fantasy football writer? Is it more important to be good at playing fantasy football or is it important to be a good writer? And I know what I, what I tend to side on, but what, what do you think about that question? Like, like I said, I listen to your podcast every week and every time that comes up, it's something that I, I love the responses because I really struggle with it because uh, when you get to a certain level, uh, your misses a lot. So no matter how accurate you are in predicting football, probably about 40% of the time you're going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. So none of us are, are that much better than the next guy. Um, but like I said, what, what I think that you can do is be really passionate about what you're doing and whether you're a good writer and you could write like a Matthew Barry who can tell this extravagant 1,000, 2,000 word story before he even gets to the football analysis uh, or you're someone like myself who all my stuff is very data driven and I'm not telling a lot of interesting stories in my work. Um, and you... I think if you stay in your lane, then you're naturally going to become a better writer. And uh, 
something staying in your lane is something I always tell people kind of tongue in cheek when, you know, if I'm, if I'm ordering food or if we're going out for drinks, so, you know, stay in your lane, but that doesn't mean don't try out a bunch of little things. But once you've, once you've kind of established what you're good at and you, you know what you like to do, you know how you like to write, um, stay in your line and get really good at that. So for me, it's, I'm trying to, to take all these spreadsheets and turn them into words that are a little bit interesting for you to read without feeling like you're just uh, looking at a bunch of numbers in sentence form. No, definitely. And, and there is an art to taking data and making it readable because numbers can inherently be boring. Yes. Uh, not, all, not always, but, but they can be. Uh, and it, you know, I, I put that pressure on myself a lot because there are a lot of numbers that come along with reception perception, but I think there has to be like a, an art form to putting them into into a readable word and 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 I remember your uh, I remember when you were on the feast the fantasy feast podcast with uh, with with Ross Tucker and Evan Silva and, and like Ross at the end was like whoo you know it's a lot of numbers yeah. no I I that that was a fun podcast because uh, I was like yeah I mean this is this isn't like very good stuff but Evan had done similar research and Evan's like chomping at the bait he's like no like let's just get into it and mm-hmm. and don't worry about it and at the, yeah and yeah at the end Ross was like oh that was that was great. I don't have anything to say now. Yeah, but you know that. But it is important. Like those those numbers are important, and they're they're crucial to to, to fantasy success. And just getting into to, into data a little bit. What are some What are some of the your favorite stats? You know, if you have some, or what are, What are some of your favorite things to use, whether in season or off season? Because I know, I know, like in season, obviously for you know your your podcast, which but. By the way, also loyal listener, I listened to every episode of the season and that would steal all your ideas for my BFS column. <laughs> Just kidding, uh, kind of. But no, it's okay. Hey, but, we're all we're all borrowing from each other. Like this is it's it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like music. Like every song has already been written, man. You know. Yeah, none of us none of us are coming up with anything original. It's, when when I was hanging out with you and Gilhar, uh, he said it perfectly. He's like, oh, we're we're just doing uh, what other people don't have time to do. We're not coming up with anything that great. We're not, right. we're not that smart. Exactly. I say that to I say that to like my readers or people that comment to me on Twitter all the time. I'm like, yeah, you could like if people are like I could do your job. Like, yeah, you yeah. probably could. Like, it, yeah, were, it's the perfect way. I just have the time. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Like, if you were sick in the head enough to 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 just sit down and like forego your social life and you wanted to do it, yeah. sure. You, of course, you could do yeah, that. The, yeah. Forego your social life. That's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so and obviously in season doing a lot of work with stats you know i know that you reference a lot on the podcast obviously and then off season i know you like you mentioned the, the stuff on the fantasy feature taking more of a grand view perspective like all the stats that you're tweeting on the stewie voice right now what are some of your favorite things to uh to look at and to use uh i mean in, in the last couple seasons i've become pretty obsessed with looking at, at regression analysis so um looking at people that that really overshot or undershot what they should have done given a given a certain number of targets given red zone targets given uh running back touches inside the 10 uh that stuff is is really exciting because uh especially for touchdowns because touchdowns are the most unpredictable stat uh that just makes me want to prove, prove people wrong so this <laughs> offseason i've been i've been playing with a lot of touchdown regression stuff and then in season, I'm I'm really just looking at a bunch of volume stuff. I mean, targets for receivers, touches for for running backs, uh, and going back to regression. If 
if players are if players are getting tons of volume and seeing tons of targets, eventually those are going to turn into fantasy points. Uh, so I, I've kind of become a little bit obsessed with that stuff, and I'm still digging into it. But there's a lot of fun stuff you can you can glean from that data. I mean, uh, I think uh, I think trying to project touchdowns is is a pretty interesting thing to do, and I think there I think we can do it better than a lot of people give us credit for. Yeah, you're probably right. I know I tend to default so hard on the analysis of like, well, touchdowns are inherently fluky because it's one of those things. And, you know, this is why I love uh, people like like Patrick Claybon who always ask, but why? Like, but why do we say that? But why do we do that? And I know it's something that, that I say it just because it's what we've, what we've always said. It's what we've been taught to believe. But And that's why I appreciate some of the work that, that you do with that stuff. Um, TJ, kind of swiveling back here a little bit. I'm j- jumping around from several different places. But um how did you first get started like with a writing gig? Like what, how did that come about? You know, whether it was with, I don't actually know exactly where, where you started, but I just remember getting hooked up with, uh, with Sportable at Sportable together. So we can talk about that or just wherever you think the best starting point was for you. Yeah. So again, circling back to my poker career, um, the same guy I mentioned, uh, he's, he goes by Joe tall on Twitter. If anybody wants to look him up, uh, he was starting out this DFS site that was a um, – it was under Bet America, but I don't remember the name they were using for their DFS site. Was, that's five years ago now. Um, but I started playing on on it just because it was a smaller site. And uh, back in the poker days, some of the most profitable games were on smaller sites, and that one had a, a horse betting um, – uh, consumer base feeding into their DFS products. So there was a lot of dead money on there. And, and I went down there early on and did, did really well. But uh, the point of that is Joe was working for this company and I, I kept needling him like, hey man, you guys should put some DFS stuff on your site. And I was writing a, a blog for myself that was basically just value picks for Bet America um, and posting it and usually getting zero views. But I kept emailing it to him and he he would tell me, yeah, we're, we're kind of thinking about it. Uh, we're waiting. We want to make sure our product is people know about our product first before we start putting advice on there. It's kind of weird to put advice on the site where the game's hosted, even though most of the sites do it now. Uh, every week I was sending in my, my blog of my Bet America value picks. And, and uh, one day it, I was really lucky that I was sending them to him because uh, one day – there was a tweet that the fantasy bums were looking for football writers. And, and that's a, a site that, that now doesn't exist, but uh, Ryan Hodges and, and Dave Lofren, uh they were running the site together and the link. So I, I sent them these samples of a, of a blog that nobody was reading for a site that no one had heard of. And for whatever reason, they thought it was really good stuff. And they, they brought me on to write a, um, an unpaid column, which was basically a me copy and pasting every single box score and then typing out what I thought for every relevant fantasy player. So uh, with no writing experience, this this was something that was probably – this was probably taking me eight to ten hours uh, every week, probably more, uh, and I wasn't getting paid to do it. But I had my name – on a football article on a fantasy football website. And that was one of the most exciting things I've, I've ever done in my life. Uh, and, and that was one of those first times when I, I realized, unlike poker, where I didn't want to put in the hard work, 
I love the grind of the football. So I think this can be something I could be really successful at. And unlike poker, where there's always a game where I can go play right now, I can't play fantasy football until Sunday. So the only thing to do from Monday to Saturday is research and write and, and look up stats. And I was like, this is perfect. Uh, luckily for me, when went under the same year that uh, that I started there, I went to Fantasy Insiders, which uh, if you follow DFS, it's one of the, one of the best sites out there. And luckily, he liked my stuff enough enough that he brought me with him. And and as as Lafay probably being one of the most integral guys in my journey, just because it, it was the single guy that first had faith in me when no one knew who I was and thought that my voice counted. So he brought me to insiders and, and from there it kind of snowballed because that platform was now big enough in the DFS community where people were actually reading my stuff outside of this little fantasy bums following. Um, yeah. And then, it, and then it snowballed and, and, and now. Uh... Yeah. Now here we are a couple of points from your story that really, I think stick out to me. One being, like that feeling of this is super cool. Like even if it, even if it's a small site and like nobody's reading it, like I, I you know, quote unquote, nobody is reading it, but you know, whatever. Like, yeah. Relative to the ESPNs of the world, I mean, or the NFLs of the world, I'm sorry, company oh. man. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah really. but, but yeah, relative <laughs> to that, it's. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not. No, it is. It's not affiliated with the NFL at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my, my point there was, is that, like I remember when when I when my first my stuff first went on the internet, you know, when not from my site because obviously like I control that, but like at, even at other people's sites, like Roto Rants was one of the first places that ever brought me on. Uh, Draft Mecca was another one. Uh, like I would go and like look and be like, oh my god, that's my name on the internet. Wow. And like now it's like yeah. I know it, any any asshole can be on the internet, but yeah. back then it was it's cool. Like it feels good, and I would. And like, don't worry if you're out there, like, don't worry about being annoying about how much you're like happy about that. Like put it on your Facebook page, show your parents, show your friends. Like, oh yeah. I am sure. My, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I've been talking too much. In, in 2000 and I, whatever year, what year are we in now? 2016. So I guess 2012 is when I started writing. My Facebook was nothing but posts about yep. me, right? I was just, I was so excited. I was like a little kid. And I look back now and I'm like, Huh. I feel bad for anybody whose Facebook feed. I, I probably got muted a lot on Facebook. Oh, I know. I I know some <laughs> of my like real life friends when I made the the current account that I am on now. Like for for Twitter, like a few of them had they've been like, yeah, I've had to mute you because all you tweeted about was football. I was like, well, I was trying to market a football brand, <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, yeah, but if you're don't worry about that. Like immerse yourself in in that in that enthusiasm because. You know, to be honest with you, you don't know how long that that enthusiasm is going to be the only thing that carries you because it, you might not be at a site that with a lot of readership, you might not be getting paid as we all have written for free before. Like that enthusiasm is going to be something that has to carry you. So totally immerse yourself in that. And, and I know I had, like I said, I know I had friends that were when I, when I started writing and really started pursuing it, like, I want to make this a career. I'm going to put everything behind it. I know I had friends in my personal life that were like, I am sick of hearing about Harmon's website <laughs> but yeah it, it but helped 
to, to the same token, even if you don't think that it, it's gonna gonna be a career, those aren't your aspirations. If you're someone like me, where there aren't that many things where I'm I'm generally excited about or or take seriously, um, j just put it out there because you should just put that excitement, put that good energy out there. You never know who's gonna read it. You never know. Uh, you never know if you might be inspiring someone because they think you're doing something so cool that. Maybe they're going to go try something they like now. So uh, if you find yourself excited about something, you know, share it with the world. Who cares? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, that's, that is always a good message. Like if, it's, if you're excited about it, if it makes you happy, don't worry about other people being like, uh, stop talking. Like if, if, yeah. someone, if you're excited about something and somebody's like, can you stop talking about that? Then <laughs> I think they're probably the one with the yeah. problem. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so absolutely. And the other thing, now I can't really remember what the other thing was that I thought really resonated from your story. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just think that excitement is something that, that is super, oh, I remember what it was. Um, it's great podcast hosting right here. One-on-one stuff. Um, it, it's that grind of like, you know, even if you're not a natural writer, um, which again, you know, that's, that's where you're coming from, definitely not where I'm coming from. But I can imagine that like continuing to hack at the tree, like again and again and again. That's how you get better. That's how you, I mean, and I, I say like all writers are always improving. You know, as a writer, I'm always improving. But like, especially when you're first starting, if you don't feel like a natural at it, just continuing to just chop at the tree, like in that post where you're just talking about the block, the box scores, I imagine that probably really helped you starting out. Oh yeah, because it, at, at the very least, it, it gave me a structure. Like there was no way to go out. I didn't have, there was, there was a little bit of original thought because I had to say what I thought about the games, but it was literally, here's the quarterback stats. Here's what I think about the quarterback. Here's the running back stats. Here's what I think about the running back. Yeah, for sure. And that stuff is, is pretty key. And I mean, it sounds like stuff. I mean, that's what people want though. You know, what, what, what happened? What, you, what, what, what does this guy think about it? It's, it's important. So TJ, you're right. We have kind of had something of a similar career arc, you know, being together there at the, on the, uh, the hot takes and hot cakes hangout with like you and I sitting there with Dan, like all of us having like 800 followers or whatever, whatever to where we are now. And, um, Kind of take us a little bit, a little bit through that. Like, what, what have been the points that have really, you know, jumped your career to the next level to where you kind of sit now in a very comfortable spot? Uh, it's it's funny that you brought up Sportable because I always kind of look look back to that side as, uh, like, we kind of had a, like a murderer's row of a lineup, like uh, old school, like 27, 27 Yankees. Um, looking back at, at how far those a lot of us who, you know, the humble beginnings have came. It's it's really interesting. And you you asked how, what what are points that I look back to? And that was a really interesting time for me as a writer because uh, it was right around when I also started writing for Four for Four, um, and I started doing it for Draft Day Consultants. And and the thing that stands out for me the most, <clears throat> it's not so much the point in time, but it was it was the people like the Lafay, uh, like the CD Carters. Like like Sal that reached out to me and 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 really put me out there as someone who had a voice worth listening to. Um, so Sal was so pumped to have us writing and and had so much faith in what we had to say. And the same token, uh, Denny bringing me on to Draft Day Consultants and pumping up my work and and suggesting me to four for four, which ultimately uh, 
uh, ended up to to a full time job. Uh, it wasn't so much the time, but the the people that I came in contact with. I got really fortunate to come in contact with guys like that 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 really loved that. You can tell they were passionate about pumping other people up, and I, I think that's the best thing about our industry and and something that I'm always so grateful for and hopefully I, I get to a point or, or, or can build something where I can give that back to the community because like that I don't think no matter what I did or what point in time I I, I was at um, that I would have the opportunities so uh, like I said it's it's not so much a time or, or a, or article or, but just the people that we were surrounded by at the time were so awesome and so enthusiastic. And it, it was just that little club of people that were just cranking out this content just because we love doing it so much. I don't, I don't even, how, how many of us can remember how much we were getting paid? I don't think we even cared. We were just no. having a blast with it. Yeah, it was it was a blast. I remember the sportable days we had um, some, I can't remember what it was called, like, but some chat thing that like, we were, we had like a group chat or something, and I can remember you guys all telling me back then, like, no, Cordero Patterson's not actually good, and I was like, oh, no, man. he's, he's going to be good. <laughs> that, that was I I don't think anyone I I don't know I haven't worked for a lot of sites, but I don't know if anyone has worked for a single site and got needled over a single pick as long as you did oh, over man. Patterson that year. And you guys were all right, and I was wrong. So, you know we're. We're we're in the we're in the industry we're in the business of being wrong a lot. That just happened to be a a very very hot. I mean, we were hot takes and hot cakes, so that was that was a very very hot take. Yeah, it was it was, and it's funny that it was a, about a wide receiver and all the irony. And I've never talked about this podcast. The only other time I've actually talked about revisiting the Patterson thing, like, and because this is an important lesson, just kind of swiping in on this here, like. It, I talked about this on Arif Hassan's podcast, and he's obviously the, the North Code podcast uh, and obviously a Vikings show, so he asked me about it. And the thing about Cordero Patterson was I was so confident in his reception perception, but I was such an idiot to be using that data as something that was applicable <laughs> when I had done, like, three studies ever. Because yeah. now, like, if I look back on Patterson's rookie year, and I would be like, yeah, these are numbers of, like, a guy that's going to be a bust. But I was yeah, trying that- – I was yeah. I was trying to make something out of it that wasn't there. So, like, again, the system was right. I was the one that's wrong. So talk about data. Like, applying and using data and knowing what it is is important. Um, yeah, you, you asked what I look at all offseason and what I look at during the season. That's a, that's a great lesson in sample size for those of you that are listening. Sample size is very important in our game. Yeah, don't try to stamp uh, your, your brand to a player after doing like three, like a, a tiny, minuscule little bit of uh, of samples there. Uh, yeah, so that's there's a lesson, and yeah, I definitely got ribbed over the Cordero Patterson thing. And like the, it's funny because I know who like my who my real people are because they'll still make fun of me for that. Like a lot of people have forgotten about that, but that article's still out there on Backyard Banter. You can go, you can go look it up. It's it's still out there. But and the other thing you mentioned that I want to just reiterate is 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 sal like this podcast doesn't it doesn't exist if it's not for sal like i can't say enough good and i will definitely have him on the podcast at some at some point for sure absolutely before season one of this of this thing is over um yeah i mean just like people like that they're like if you think about the web of the fantasy football community so many like so many points come back to sal and i mean yeah he's he's a big reason we're all here and like it really is about creating that community 
And that's where you're right. That's really what fosters all of us, fosters that sort of growth. And finding allies like that is very important. And TJ, spinning back to you a little bit here, it seems like you kind of have found a little bit of an ally, a little bit of a yin to your yang in Chris Raybon. Talk a little bit about your guys's relationship both as you know fellow writers and analysts at 444 as podcast hosts because you know there's a lot of guys like that you know there's Cecil Lammy and Sigmund Bloom there's you know back in the day there was Rumford Johnny and Ryan Forbes you know with two mugs uh, like now there's kind of Chris Raybon and, and TJ Hernandez what's what's that relationship oh that that's a lot of pressure you're putting up, me up there with two mugs and those that's guys what I do. Like, man so I call okay. shit like I see it and I okay. and I mean it See now, I now I have really big shoes to fill. No, Chris, um, Chris is another dude that came up uh, kind of around the same time we did, and I I think that Chris and I started working for four for four the same season, um, but tight end redraft uh, content while Chris was was writing DFS back when Jonathan Bales was our senior DFS editor, um, and I I hadn't. I didn't know too much about Chris uh, beforehand, uh, but we kind of we kind of started chatting since we we were both four for four guys, um, and I that was 2013. So then 2014, he got bumped up to the. I hope my timeline's right here. I think 2014, Chris got promoted as a senior DFS editor of four for four, and I didn't even realize that. Four for four was giving out full time jobs. I thought it was it was Paulson and Josh Moore, and 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 that's when I I really because I never really um, thought that this would be a career opportunity at all. It was something I really really liked to do, and and Chris stands out as the guy that I saw get bumped up to a full time job when I realized, man, if if I really start grinding, there there can be some opportunities here, and we we kind of we were just talking about DFS on the side. I wasn't writing DFS for four for four. Um, at the time I was still writing at insiders and, uh, just doing redraft stuff for four for four. But we, uh, we start, we ended up starting our podcast last year just because we had been talking about DFS so much. We came through a kind of similar pattern. We always talked and always really thought the same and I always read his stuff and it always really resonated with me. So, uh, he ended up being, probably the most integral person in getting me a full-time job because once I had a relationship with them and we're talking on the regular, I I would, I was asking him a lot of questions about, about getting that full-time job, how it came to be, uh, if it was something that, that he was thinking about who he was reaching out to. And it, it ended up that just me having those casual conversations with her, not trying to get anything out of Chris, not expecting there to be a job at four for four, just naturally picking his brain as a friend. Uh, it ended up that, that Chris without me knowing was, was going to, to Josh and saying, Hey, if we have a spot for this guy, uh, I like the way he thinks. Uh, I, I think he could really be a, a valuable piece. And I didn't even know this was going on at the time. Uh, so that, that was really exciting. I'm always really thankful to Chris for that, but what that kind of put in my head is that you talk about a lot on this podcast and we hear a lot of people talk about it is, um, there's, there's a way to, to gracefully, uh, 
put yourself out there. And I think that's the most important thing we can do is, is put yourself out there. And I wasn't, uh, I mean, there's a difference between me in 12 sending Evan Silva a message and saying, Hey, how do I get a full-time job? And me building this genuine friendship with Chris, not trying to get anything out of it. I just like the guy and then putting out into, into, his mind without me knowing just through ca casual conversation that, yeah, I would love to, to do this full time if the opportunity ever came up because for, for all I know, there were other people that might have entertained the thought of bringing me on as a full time employee. But if you don't put it out there, people won't ever know. Like at the time I was, I was managing, a, I'd been managing bars. I bar and I was a manager slash owner. So from the, from outside perspective, people that know that they, for, for all you know, they might think that you love doing that and might almost be offended if they come to you and say, would you quit this job to do that? Mm -hmm. So to a friend and it, it ended up turning into a, to a career. So it's just one of those things where I didn't expect to get anything out of it, but he ended up being a, you know, to, to this day for what I'm, what I'm doing day out, one of the most important people I've come in contact with. Yeah, man, that's like what Cecil Lammy said in his episode and something he said to me from like the moment I met him was like people did things for me because I didn't I didn't ask them to do things for me. Yeah, and it's not even that you don't have to you don't have to ask for something, but there's just there's a way to do it. And yeah. uh I I don't think that like like I said before, messaging Evan Silva when you've been writing for a month about how can I get a full time <laughs> job, you know, that's one thing, but if if you build up these genuine relationships and you're not looking to get something out of someone else. I mean, it's, it's pretty evident when you're genuine and when you're not. So, uh, when those relationships do come about and you're able to, to put yourself out there and just have these honest talks with people, then, then things happen as long as you, you know, not to get too, too existential here or anything, but when you put it out into the universe, it's out there now where, where it wasn't before. No, man. I mean, I, that's a totally important thing. It's a big part of my life philosophy. You know, when you like what you put out into the universe is, it, it, is what you're going to get out of it too. You know, I, I, so don't, Hey, don't worry about getting too existential <laughs> on this podcast. Like I will, I will totally follow you into the dark, but kind of more like real life stuff. What you mentioned about your, your relationship with you and Chris, like that's, that is important. And if there's any like aspiring writers out there or podcasters or anything, try to find that, that buddy, that partner, like, yeah, like the C Salami to your Sigmund Bloom, like Chris Raybon to your, to your TJ Hernandez. Like it's important to like, and I know several of the guys that have emailed me or, you know, have messaged me like that have listened to the podcast and like, you guys should get together, <laughs> get together and yeah. start a project together. Cause you know, like, like TJ saying, like Chris ended up, you know, elevating him up and like people have, have done the same for me. And, you know, like, I mean, if I was to point to somebody like, you know, Leo Howell was the guy that I did a podcast with back, you know, during the 2014 season. And like our, our separate interests tended to take us elsewhere, but we still did our weekly show and it really helped me and made me better. And like, now I'm with NFL, Leo's with ESPN, like both doing the thing full time. And like, that's just, we made each other better. And I'm very thankful for Leo's friendship. I, he's another person I need to have on the freaking podcast so many, <laughs> why are there so many good people to talk to man it's hard it's difficult we but have a good community we absolutely do tj and I, I i totally agree with that and kind of kind of winding down here speaking of of the community um this is something i've, I've been asking kind of everybody like a little bit of a thirty thousand foot view of the community on the podcast that's come on lately like 
what's something that you see out there that you that you don't particularly like or you wish was different about the way things are covered, whether it's DFS, whether it's football in general, whether people interact on Twitter, whether people are sharing too much dog photos. <laughs> uh, answer the question in any way that you could think of. Yeah. I see. I forgot this, this question was on the pod and that's a tough one because I, I think there, there's so many positive things. I th- the thing that immediately jumps to my mind, which probably makes it the best answer, is um, there are some things, and I think they're being rectified with um, possible regulation from state to state. Uh, and obviously, it, everything kind of came to a head this year. But I was I was getting a little nervous with the way DFS was was marketing and spending money. It was there there were so many parallels to how and why crashing and burning and um i think we have a really really good thing with dfs and it's it's provided jobs for people it's given me a job it's given chris a job you write about dfs on nfl uh it's not just dfs like the reach of the of of what it's brought to the community has it's made four for four bigger it's made all these other sites have so many more and, and writers and contributors and that's really important and I wish people would focus in on that aspect of it more than it being this this gambling site where people are are, are throwing away money and there's so many negative connotations with it and and I think that in in a sense the sites can do a little bit better job of it but focusing in on all these passionate people that are coming up and getting careers and and you know i I graduated from college and couldn't find a, a finance job in some roundabout way. Now I'm a DFS writer and you know, the government always wants to talk about job creation. Like DFS has been one of the best job creators that I've ever seen. So I, I wish people would shed more light onto all the good that DFS has done um, for fantasy po- football, for individuals, for community. I mean, I've made so many damn good friends in the past couple of years, just going to these meetups, um, speaking at, at, at boot camps and going to the finals. Like that stuff is the stuff that doesn't get covered enough. And it's really one of the most exciting things about fantasy football. Um, so I think that would be the thing that stands out to me the most. But but overall, the, the community and just fantasy football as a whole is yeah, for sure. So you overall have a positive or, or optimistic outlook on on the way that DFS is going to go. I I don't think it's where I mean I'm I'm not an economist. I'm not a politician. I'm not working for any of these sites. But one, th- one I, yeah, but I'm I'd like to think I'm too honest to be a politician. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't know if I can get up there and, and beat the campaign trail. Anyway, uh, I, I think DFS is going to come out okay uh, to to this poker history and the downfall. DFS has been very transparent. Um, they've opened up their books whenever they've been asked to. They're very – everyone knows exactly where the money's coming from, where it's going. The servers are in the U.S., um, they're not doing anything shady with their money as far as we know. And ultimately that was the downfall of poker. Poker didn't get shut down because it was an illegal game. It got shut down, uh, the big sites because they were, they were laundering money and they had off, they were shores, um, we're operating within the States and 
looks like it's it's been pretty clean. So hopefully um, out because uh, it's my job, man, and I like talking about football. Well, I hope certainly that whatever needs to happen uh, to get us more TJ Hernandez in our lives oh, is, yeah. uh, is, is, is what comes from it. Um, TJ, I really want to thank you so much for coming on today. Um, as you know, uh, because you listen to the podcast clearly, I always give the guest one last shot at the floor before I yank it out from under you. So here's, here's your, uh, your 15 seconds of uh, whatever you want to say. Well, you have more than 15 seconds. Take as much time as you want. But here, the floor is yours before we get out of here. Yeah, so I was thinking about this question a lot since you asked me yesterday, and I, I didn't know what I could put out there as something that's – a message to the world, so to speak. It kind of serendipitously this morning I woke up uh, to a post from you that was really encouraging. No, this is – I'm not try, I'm not trying to fluff you up here or anything. Um, and it was it was about your weight loss journey, and it was, it was a really inspirational message to me. And not just to, to what you wrote about or to fantasy football. Um, the, the thing that really stood out to me in that article was that – that part of your journey of priority that one day you woke up and you said, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do everything I can for this weight loss journey. And, and it's going to be a major part of my life. And whether it's fantasy football or writing or weight loss or whatever the hell it might be in your life. Um, if it's something that's important to you, just start. Like we don't have that much time to, to go after, Whatever it is, whatever dream it might be, one of my all-time favorite comedians is Bill Burr, and uh, on one of his podcasts, I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it was something to the effect of, um, "There isn't a lot of risk in going after your dreams. The the riskiest things you you can do in your life is to get settled in a job that you hate, with a wife that you don't love, in a house that you don't like, in a neighborhood that you can't stand. Something to that effect." Uh, the downside to, to going after something that's really important to you, there, there's really none. You're going to be able to look back and, and say that you went after it. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I've approached this fantasy football thing. I mean, I'm now, as we like to say in the football world, on the wrong side of 30. And I'm still very young in this football journey. But I'm just going to keep grinding after it. And, and that post that you wrote this morning, was, was it's, it's really inspiring. And you can relate it to – your life no matter what you're into so just go after whatever you like and start now like we don't have that much time just just go after it and nothing bad's going to come out of it almost ever it's, that's very true and, and all points well said there like, like that that choice to go after the weight loss thing and also to write about football those things both kind of happen at my at, at the same time and the common theme to both of them like you said is just do it just get started like don't wait and just keep going and and continue to fight like whatever it is you know just just do it that's the thing like everybody always asks how do you get started losing weight how do you get started writing football you just start man just start i mean you look at it at the smallest level i mean the bit my biggest day-to-day struggle when i have to write or I have to record something is the first sentence and yeah. then once I get that first sentence on on the screen, it usually flows pretty good. But like just starting is almost always the hardest part. Yeah, you'll hit your flow as a human being. That's just the way we're wired. That's just the way we do things. But uh, 
the way we do things on this podcast is we listen to great people like TJ Hernandez talk. And I think you said a lot of great stuff today, TJ. I want to thank you so much for coming on. If you're not following TJ, follow him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You won't miss him because the avatar is Stewie, as we've mentioned several times. Um, but seriously, TJ is one of, one of, one of my dudes in the industry came up together and I'm really happy for all of your success. And I'm really happy that you guys continue to listen to this podcast. It really is a treat. It's an honor to share in this with you. I am Today, like TJ mentioned with that article, I've I've definitely it's been a great reminder that I am the luckiest idiot in the world, and I'm very lucky that you guys continue to tune into this podcast and listen in. So, thank you all so much for listening today, and I hope you learned something. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.